When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Record Celtic podcast. I'm Liam Bryce and today I'm joined by Tony Haggerty and our Record Celtic blogger Jamie Flynn to discuss all the latest from Parkhead. On the pod today, the transfer deadline is fast approaching. Will there be any more movement in or out at Celtic? former Celtic manager and captain Neil Lennon is on the way out at Hibs and we'll have a wee look at the incredible breakdown in relations between him and the Edinburgh club and we'll also look ahead to Celtic's midweek clash with St Johnston so but first off first off folks we're hurtling towards the, the transfer deadline now and it's all it's all going a wee bit worryingly is it worryingly quiet at Celtic can we could we say that Jamie I'm, I'm I mean I'm worried it's a uh... Uh, as much as the guys that we've brought in I think have added much needed competition at the squad they've added strength and depth in areas where we had a lot of players but not a lot of quality I think that the big red flashing light that's been a red flashing light for a couple of transfer windows now but certainly since the summer is that right back position Um, and it looks all quiet in that front it's been all quiet in that front we've been linked to a few guys but nothing concrete no talk of bids and now we're starting to get the noises for Brendan Rodgers that oh well you know maybe my squad doesn't as bad as people think or I've got Ralston here I've got mm-hmm. I've got Gamboa and and as backup if needs be but the fact of the matter is they can paint it any way we like a right back is required. I think it's astonishing that Celtic have not been able to source a right back because they were speaking off air and this this is not a, a recent problem to Celtic it was a problem when Brendan Rodgers walked in the door even when they played Lincoln Redamps and even for Celtic managers. Probably before that, they've, they've had a, a problem trying to source a decent right back or a right back that can do the job. So, you think of the money that they've spent. Surely, some of that could have been invested in a, a right back that knows the job and knows what to do. Uh, and I, I agree with Jamie. I, I feel a Celtic supporter. That, that that's a worry. You know, the the players that they're linked with again, forward type players, wingers, attackers. You know, they, there seems to be a plethora of them at the club, but. You know, you can't make do. You have to have players in natural positions. That's why players have a natural position. And for Celtic not to have signed a right back then, you've got to ask questions. Why Why have they not done that? As a, as a fan, I don't, really, I don't really understand it. You know, Celtic are painted as a club where when they're talking about signings they make out as if they're in a uniquely difficult position to bring in players mm-hmm. you know where we we tried but we didn't get these over the line or we thought we were getting this guy so we let that guy go but it can't be as difficult as it seems to bring in a right back and if there is a difficulty there then something's broken something in the transfer between the board or the scouting department or whoever identifies a talent whoever brings them in that something in the machine isn't working mm-hmm. there's a cog that's broken um, and we tried it in Last January, when we struggled to get the quality in we needed, in the summer we struggled to get anybody in that we wanted, and then it looks like we're doing the same again. So I think it's time that that something's broken, and the whole transfer strategy probably needs addressed. Uh-huh. I agree wholeheartedly with that, and I, I, I've never seen 
a club's transfer dealings be portrayed so negatively ever since the John McGinn affair. Mm. You know, I think Celtic were bruised by that mm-hmm. badly, and everything since has, uh, you know, it's not it's not been straightforward. You know, or as straightforward as a lot of the transfer probably should be. You know, and uh, I don't know. I, I think there is. I think Jamie's right in saying that something is broken there. There's something. There's a circuit not connecting when it comes to identifying a target and then getting them yeah, signed on the dotted the line. line. Yeah, there was a. It was kind of. I think we alluded to it on the, the podcast uh, last week where you had these guys like um, the boy Atalanta, the Timothy Castagna, and then Olympiacos, uh, Omar El Dawali. Oh god, that was terrible. Well done on that. Was hold my breath for you. Just, uh, was that all right? That was, good, that? Aye, aye. Well, that was good. Well, I'll tell you what. It sounded the part. I've been, str- like I've been struggling pronun- with that week on week. Uh, uh, yeah. If it's nothing like the pronunciation, it certainly sounded. Aye, it. Aye, so <laughs> you, you've got away with it. So <laughs> I, I carry on. In anyway, anyway, anyway the, the point I think that was um, made last week is you know, these guys. It sounds like I've been quoted. You know, in the region at eight, sometimes to ten million for for these guys. And there was there was a point made that perhaps that there's a. That Brendan Rodgers is looking to shop in a market that the Celtic board perhaps aren't willing to go to go into. Is it, I think there's any? I think that could be. A we were speaking about that before we come on. See, see if your parameters are between five and eight million players, right? Just say for argument's sake. And why would you go and look at players that are above and beyond that, the ten, twelve million bracket? Because that that's a no right away. So if your parameters are, and I'm, and I'm not saying they are, but say Celtic say, well, if we can get players within the five, six, seven, eight million tops bracket, you know, then go and look there, because there must be plenty of players there, mm-hmm. you know, and, it's, and go and scout the, the top leagues in Europe, and go and scout the teams that are maybe, you know, the Europa League place teams mm-hmm. are pushing for a Champions League place, where those players exist, you know. A, a club that's maybe 30, 30 10th or 38th in the, the French, the German, the Italian, the Spanish league. Because those those players exist. Mm-hmm. And then go and identify a number of targets. And then, first and foremost, you would establish that you could afford them. You know, and rather than going pitching in way above what, what you think you can offer in terms of financial remuneration and then being told... No, we can't afford them. But it's it's it comes down to how how does the system work? I don't know how transfers work, but I'd be very surprised if it's like deal or no deal. You know, Celtic just turn up, open the box, and the, the price is revealed to them. You mm-hmm. know, they must know. Take for instance, Castagna. They must know before they even make the first introduction. His agent or his representative would say the club will probably want about ten million pound for him. Yeah, yeah. At that point, you just bend the whole idea and move on. But Celtic yeah. seem to drag these things out forever and say, "Oh, we couldn't afford them." And surely that's the first question you would ask of any potential target. <laughs> Bottom line, what, what, how much would it cost to bring this guy to Celtic? And that's why I don't think it's Brendan Rodgers' fault. That's no, why no, I, no. I, I, I think the Celtic board know. I think <coughs> Brendan Rodgers has worked and he knows the parameters he's working in at Celtic. Yeah. He's been doing it for a long time. He's successfully signed within those parameters. Uh-huh. So I think it's too easy just to say, ah, he's just he just wants these expensive players that we can't afford. I think there's the club affording them and the club wanting to pay the money for them oh, are two, two entirely different, different things. things. Yeah. And I think what happens is Brendan Rodgers sees the value in, say, an £8 million right-back, for example, or a £5 million right-back. But when it comes to signing the paperwork, signing the cheque, 
there's a person within the club and we all know who I'm alluding to Mm -hmm. who thinks I don't really want to spend £8 million of the club's money on this right back because I don't see the value there and to me that seems like a reasonable theory of why there's so much friction because it's almost exactly what happened with John McGinn I suppose the biggest thing you could perhaps say that it's not Brendan Rodgers' fault is he's not the first manager to have this this issue but but it gets it gets back to what we're looking to. There's some kind of disconnect there, mm-hmm. you know, from the from the chain going up and identifying players to get them over the line. And it's too simplistic to turn around and and blame the manager. It's far too simplistic because transfers now are a a whole different type of business altogether. It isn't. You just turn up, you open up your box, and you say, "Give us him." Mm-hmm. You know, there are far too many. Uh, variables involved now agents clubs managers technical directors you know you, you name it if you I was so. if I was to take a stab at it without any inside knowledge or knowledge at all I think what I described is probably close to what's happening I think Brendan Rogers and his talent scouting department are finding players they are finding out roughly how much they're going to cost and the club whoever's paying the bill doesn't see the value, the value in it, it. Yeah. and I think that's leading to a lot of frustration and, it, and it's understandable mm-hmm. um, one thing that's levelled at Brendan Rodgers quite a lot is well he doesn't spend the money wisely if you look at Masonda, you look at Comper you look at these guys John uh, Jack Hendry mm-hmm. you know he's, he's been given money and he's not spent it well but again you don't know how, you don't know the ins and outs of these transfers and for every Marvin Comper there's an Oliver Capo or a Kazim Richards or a Carlton Cole, you know, yeah. this is this is a Celtic trope. Uh-huh. The, the, the Marvin Comper has been at Celtic in several different guises. Billy McNeil's days are Martin Hayes. It's not a uniquely Brendan Rogers' fault, uh-huh. you know, be signing a duff player. But, yeah, but it's mud that's been thrown at him. It is, yeah, hundred percent, yeah. And, uh, and I, I think the most frustrated figure in all this will be Brendan himself, because mm-hmm. you don't doubt for a minute he's identified targets. Yeah. Are we starting to he's see that to now? A bit. Club. Possibly it's maybe been manifesting itself in a while. It manifested itself over the John McGinn affair, didn't it? Yeah, definitely. When he had a, a few snips. You know, well, we've, got a guy pops, the, you know. we've got a guy at the club the now in a Celtic jersey who we identified as a target and didn't pay the money for. He moved to Leicester and we loaned him back. This, you know, we, we, were, we were trying to get Benkovic when we thought Jozo was off to Torino. We didn't pay the money for Benkovic and kept Jozo instead. And, and look how that's panned it. Also, but I mean, I, I, there is... Yeah, you can't get away from the fact that there's there's a disconnect there and something is happening between player identification and signing on a dotted line, and mm-hmm. it's not to Celtic's benefit. No, and so what? How? Where do you then place the seemingly incoming winger, the Marion Schved, in amongst all this? You know, because there was obviously there was a lot made of those comments where <laughs> Rogers said, "Oh, I don't know a lot about him," and that was kind of pounced on and. Well, let's put it this way. If Celtic are going to sign defenders, they're working on the premise we're going to score more goals <laughs> than, than you do. You know, if they have to win 4-3 or, or whatever, then so be it. They're just overloading themselves mm-hmm. with attacking players. You know, so uh, the Schwed one's very... I don't know, it's, it's very weird, isn't it, that a manager would actively come out and say... I don't know too much about this. Mm-hmm. It wasn't so much the comment that he didn't know too much about him because, again, this is a Celtic trope. I remember when Key signed for Celtic and he was, I think he signed, he was due to sign the following day or a couple of days later and Tony Mowbray was interviewed and Tony Mowbray mm. said, I've never seen him play. And at the time, she was like, hmm. It was the comment Brendan Reid made was, I don't need him. Mm-hmm. I don't need another. So you're telling an incoming player 
that you don't you, need you're them. You're not required. You're not required here, and it's bizarre to me. Um, I don't think Celtic can plead poverty. I don't think you can ever say, we don't have the money to get any deal across the line. When we know how much money's in the bank and we're about to go out and pay one and a half million pounds for a player that the manager doesn't need or might never see play. Yeah, I mean, I I get that. You know, that uh, he, pro- he probably boxed himself in a corner with that one by saying, you know, mm-hmm. we, we don't need them. You know, but the, the club is now far down the line with this deal. Mm-hmm. The, the player will come probably come in so then you have that dilemma do I play him going to have to play him because people are going to want to see what he's like mm-hmm. and then if he does well then does he stay in the team you know but I, I think is starting off from a base point starting off by saying this is a play we don't need it's no great yeah, is it no. if you're if you're sped you're like mm, mm-hmm. okay is it not a case though he's probably going to be loaned back to Europe, uh, Ukraine yeah, that was that, that was that was the season uh-huh. he was he was he was going to get mm-hmm. he was going to get loaned back. I mean, I don't doubt Celtic. They, they do have to have two concurrent transfer objectives. They need to have the long term transfer where, you know, say Marin Sved, he signed for Seville, and he, he he ended up back in the Ukraine. But say that Seville moved worked out for him, mm-hmm. he'd be an eight, nine, ten, eleven million pound player that we can afford. So we do have to try and get these yeah. players in before they get the big move. Uh-huh. Yeah. But not at the expense of. Of the other one, you know, they should be running concurrently. We shouldn't be just doing the long term or just doing the short term. We should be doing what needs done. And another thing I'll say is, this is nothing, and it's, uh, it's coming across a bit negative, but I, I can't remember the last time a project worked out for Celtic. Mm-hmm. I can't remember last. I mean, Tom Rogic, okay, but when was the last time a project worked out? Very, very rarely. You know, there's a reason why Celtic get these guys. So, uh, look, it's, it remains to be seen. I'm sure he'll, I think he's. I think you're right. He's going on loan. He comes and joins the team next summer, and we'll see where he is. Um, yeah. But it's 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 papering over the cracks a wee bit bringing this guy in. I wouldn't expect much fanfare about it. No, certainly uh, not. And Rogers is right. At this moment in time, he probably doesn't need him. No. You know. So I. I again, it's a bit clumsily expressed, but I, I think if you ask the Celtic supporters, then they'll probably agree and say the same thing. You're a you're a press guy, so I'll ask you this. Do you think it was clumsy, or do you think it was deliberate? Because I think Brendan Rodgers is very cute. Sometimes. I think it's calculated. Yeah, you know, and I, and I think and I, and I think a lot of what he says is shots over the bow to people yeah. upstairs. Mm-hmm. And he's very, he's a cute and clever manager. He he knows what he's saying. He does. I agree know? with that. He knows what he's saying at all times, and I think it was clumsy in terms of the personal relationship we might have with the player. But he knew exactly what he was doing, you know, because. Mm. The money spent on Sved could probably be best <laughs> spent elsewhere, and we'll go back to that <laughs> position where they just seem to they, they can't fill it a right back. So you another know, I, I knew exactly what he was doing and what he was saying. He always does. Another thing I'll say is another thing that's levelled at Brendan Rodgers is, you know, oh well, he might be on the way out. He might be leaving in the summer, so we're not wanting to invest just now. And, you know, these six-month loans sort of show you that, mm-hmm. you know, these are very, very short-term. But again, if you're going out and buying a winger, that if Brendan Rodgers is leaving in the summer and you're giving this a guy a four-year contract, that doesn't really add up. So, th- th- for me, I can't see any reasonable excuse why Brendan Rodgers hasn't been backed with what he wants. It doesn't, n- not one that I've heard as a fan has really made sense to me. Yeah. And anyone that is levelled at him, you can pick it apart quite easily, you know. Yeah, I agree with that, definitely. I yeah. mean, I... <laughs> 
Brendan Rodgers is supposed to have been leaving Celtic for some time. And <laughs> still, he's, he's still, still hanging on situ, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hanging on to right wing. Uh, <laughs> he's still there. So uh, I think when when Brendan Rodgers leaves Celtic, then he'll be the first to let everybody know. I think mm. the only thing that's really going to leave make Brendan Rodgers leave Celtic, and I've I said this before, was Brendan Rodgers isn't going to sit at Celtic and let his reputation get eroded. As much as he's a Celtic fan and he loves the job and he's, mm-hmm. it's a big job, Brendan Rodgers definitely will have ideas of resurrecting his career somewhat. And I don't think he's going to sit in a seat and watch his team get eroded and the quality get taken away from him and think, God, you know, I might not make Europe at all next year. Uh-huh. Because without Celtic in Europe, I think Brendan Rodgers' reputation is somewhat diminished. Uh-huh. You know, And I think he needs to be seen to be doing exceptionally well you know yeah. to, for, a, for a Scottish manager of, or a manager of a Scottish team there has to be like a certain escape velocity before you get even noticed in England and I think at the moment Brendan Rodgers has got that and his stock's very high mm-hmm. so I think that's another reason why a lot of people think he might be he might be looking away at the end of the season uh, Looking on to somebody else who might be leaving the club on a, well, on a short term basis at least uh, if we can just cover this it looks like Lewis Morgan is going to go out on loan um, certainly not short of options he had St Mirren back in from but that one was uh, vetoed quite quickly doesn't look well the uncertainty at Hibs that he's any chance of going there so it seems like um, despite Jack Ross initially saying that he wasn't really too bothered about bringing him down to Sunderland he's now come out and said this week well sorry the reports this week that now Sunderland are saying yeah we could we could maybe because they've obviously they've lost the boy Josh Madger to to Bordeaux, and then Aberdeen got an interest. Uh, where do you think would be would be best for a, a player at his at his stage of development to go? Bottom line is, if he goes to Aberdeen, he doesn't play against Celtic. That's always a clause at the end. Yeah, you know, yeah. so that you don't hurt your parent club. Wise as it is, Celtic get they they shared Ryan Christie, they loaned Ryan Christie. And, under the same operation, so they have a kind of relationship there with Aberdeen and Ryan Christie came back a far better player mm-hmm. you know, for the experience of playing first team football. Lewis Morgan played the best football of his career under Jack Ross at Simon when he won the, the championship title. There's a familiarity there, which is clearly why Jack Ross fancies him. League two down south, you know, could probably thrive there and be a big part player for them. So it just depends. I guess a lot will depend on what the boy wants himself. Mm-hmm. You know, he might want a change of environment or he might want to go and show in this country that he can handle... That he can play in the... That he can play in the, premier the Premiership. Just regular. like Ryan Christie did. Uh-huh. You know, so I think the winner in all of this is Lewis Morgan in mm. terms of he, he... And wherever he goes, he will come back a better player yeah. because he'll have played football, mm-hmm. you know? And he he's played bit parts with Celtic, but when he's come on for Celtic and... He, I think he's been unfair when he's came on because he's been asked to kind of maybe yeah. change a game yeah, or he's come win on a in game games or, where they've, you know yeah. when they've maybe been out of it or win a game, go and win as a game or you know and, that, and that's pressure, you know and it's a lot of pressure on a young man's shoulders, you know. And, and the Celtic fans haven't seen the best of Lewis Morgan because he's not had a real opportunity to shine, you know. So maybe it is better for him to go to Aberdeen or Sunderland, take your pick, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 he will come back. All the better for having had that game time. I agree. The boy needs the boy needs football. One thing that doesn't need to end his development is just sitting about at Celtic, not 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 getting any minutes in your legs. I think, from Celtic's point of view, you probably want to see him at Aberdeen. 
You probably want to see yeah. him in, in the same league, taking yeah. points potentially off people around us, doing damage and, and, and getting a bit of an upset. But ultimately, he just needs to be playing, really. Yeah, yeah. He needs to be playing. I, I give you Scott Allen. Yeah. I know. It's a bit of a cliche, but he's he's at that age. Yeah. Lewis Morgan, yeah. isn't he? Where yeah. he used to be. When Scott Allen was at that age, you know, and whenever Scott Allen played, you, you always thought there was a footballer there mm-hmm. somewhere. And, you know, somewhere deep down, there was a, a, a talented footballer there, but whatever happened, it never happened at Celtic for yeah. him. So you would hate to see Lewis Morgan go the same way. Exactly. Exactly. Um, just moving on, we've uh, kind of alluded to it earlier with the, amongst the Lewis Morgan stuff. Um, obviously, the big, big story in Scottish football over the weekend was. Uh, this apparent deterioration um, in relationship between Neil Lennon and Hibbs. Lennon, obviously, former Celtic manager. Um, what do you what do you make of this, Tony? Do you know what? I, I've got a feeling that this is maybe a culmination of things, you know, with, with Neil Lennon, that it's been a lot of strikes and mm-hmm. we're fed up now, you know? Because uh, I, I don't think what happened at that meeting's is particularly, you know, explosive. Mm-hmm. Manager has a go at a particular player, i.e. a striker for not scoring goals, you know? It's, it's, it's so what, you Indeed, know? It's like, watched Kim Berry over the past yeah, couple of months, know, so understand yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I, I get the feeling that this is a kind of norm in his team meeting mm-hmm. for Neil Lennon. He's that kind of character. Yeah. He's volatile and see if you're not doing the job, he'll lose a rag. Uh-huh. He's not doing anything that Alex Ferguson hasn't done. Hasn't done. Mourinho or probably Brendan Rodgers himself behind closed doors. Yeah. You know, but... Because I found David De Grey's comments recently... Oh, sorry, not uh, recently. Uh, after the game on Sunday. Yeah, they were quite was, telling, weren't they? They were, you know, he said, well, it wasn't anything out of the ordinary, so... Well, nothing irregular. So uh-huh. it strikes me as being a normal team meeting and he's had a pop. Today it was Canberry or that day it was Canberry. Somebody else another time. You know, and Jamie said something off air which I agreed with that you said that it was similar to the way his time ended at Celtic. Yeah, he sort of gets he, fed up with it. You know, he got fed up with things, and, and I also think there's been a kind of. He, he's been banging on about getting in players. <laughs> Definitely. Right? Yeah. It's classic hallmark of what happened at Celtic. He was banging on about getting in better quality players. Again, maybe going back to the. The disconnect again where he was identifying Neil was identifying targets and the club weren't getting deals over the line so I think it's the same scenario in a lesser scale with Hibs he had identified targets and the club I don't know if they were they were backing him uh, to the extent that he wanted so that led to frustration led to toys coming out of the pram led to public slagging and flogging of players yeah. which directors and chief execs don't like yeah, and you said, Tony, there that you know this is something you think's been building up for a while, and we obviously we had the story in the Sunday Mail um, that this go, does go as far when we were bringing up the John McGinn situation again. Uh, seems to have had ramifications for everybody and anybody that story. Um, <laughs> that you know Lennon was obviously frustrated, wanted Ryan Christie. McGinn ended up not going to Celtic, didn't get Christie, was left without. Yeah. You know, he's lost McGeoch and McGinn. So it's, it's, it's a lot of talent Neil Lennon's lost yeah. from that side. You know, and, yeah. it, and it's not been replaced. You know, and then when you're coming out after Motherwell, I was at the Motherwell game and you're saying, this team don't look like scoring. Mm-hmm. You know, and he didn't say, 
you know, in that game, he meant in general. So, what, what should, he said himself on Friday, what's he to do? Mm-hmm. Is he to sit back and say, just accept that? Yeah. You know, Hibs are used to challenging top six. They're, they're in eighth. You know, he, they won the, he won them the title of the championship and they came up and they finished fourth and they were a game away from a top two finish last season. You know? Yeah. So that's what the standard that Neil Lennon and the bar he'd set mm-hmm. and it's fallen well below that this season. And given the character that he is, are you surprised by his actions as a manager? Mm-hmm. You know, and I look at modern day players just now and you think to yourself, you have the best of everything. The one thing you can't take is criticism. You're mollycoddled, mm-hmm. you're wrapped in cotton wool. But the minute a manager, a fan, someone, a journalist deems to criticise them, they retreat into some precious shell and, and you know, and, and, and scream, oh, they're out of order. Why are they out of order? Because you're not doing your job. And someone's had the audacity to flag that up, you know? And player power now is it's a very powerful tool because he gets managers the sack. Yeah. You know, as, you, as you've just witnessed the Hibs <laughs> uh-huh. on Friday. Because this must be, in my opinion, don't know for certain, but I, I'm reading between the lines and I think this is a, a stacking up job. Mm. Yeah. Of, of Lennon Rance, potentially. Yeah, just to link this back to Celtic a wee bit, I'm thinking he's got to be, he's, I mean, he's got to look at this. All right, he's got Scott Allen <laughs> on a pre-contract who's now he's not going to join into the summer, but he's got to be looking at that thinking, how have we not managed to get him now? I mean, this is a, a guy who's not going to play any football I, I don't know for why, the rest I don't of the know season. why Celtic are keeping them up out, honestly. Uh-huh. I mean, he's going to do nothing between he, now and the summer, isn't he? He's going to do nothing. He might as well be playing football. There's obviously some sort of issue with Scott Allen with I don't know if it's football related or otherwise Celtic don't fancy him at all or is it Celtic playing hardball over the John McGinn oh maybe aye yeah, yeah, you know, you know. with the two protagonists uh, involved there no, I never Peter, considered that yeah Lawwell and Rod Petrie and supposed history yeah uh-huh. between the guys so you know these are these are things that you, you throw into that equation you know, and, and and it's possibly something to do with that, but because there seems no logical no. explanation why Scott Allen is not playing football. Uh, we John McGinn's got a lot of answer for that. <laughs> Actually, well, John McGinn's probably happy that he's out that picture and out, out that loop. You know, blissfully unaware. Uh, I don't think of that either. So that might that's probably got something to do with it. I'm, I'm just throwing that yeah. in there as, as a devil's advocate thing, but sure, sure, there has to be some kind of yeah. mileage in that. You know, possibly. All right, just to take it on to matters on the pitch uh, for a change. Uh, got Celtic got their game in hand this midweek against St Johnston. Again, one where you'd expect to pick up points. I've just been kind of well, really St Johnston not one of the most. No, I'm just, I, I'm just form thinking away teams in, in well, terms of on paper, Celtic's home form this season. A, it's just, a home one. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, but I think St Johnston I mean? one of the. I think it's a must win, Brendan Rodgers said. He called this game a must win, I'm sure. I think it's a must win in terms of the fact that Celtic want to put kind of breathing space and distance yeah, between themselves and chasing clubs. You know, and, and I think if they do that and stretch it to six, then that's, that's enough of a cushion for you to say, right, let's 
go now and flex the muscles and try and pull away. You know, you lose that game, it's still three year. You know, or you draw, it's four. It's, it's still, you know, your, your challengers take heart from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas you, you can demoralise them. Liam, I'm not saying that Celtic will not win the game in, in their home form suggest that they can. I'm just saying St Johnson's away form is one of the best in the league. So I, I wouldn't be so quick as to write them off. Mm-hmm. And I also think Tommy Wright's quite a shrewd tactician and manager. And when it comes to these occasions, he, he, he can sometimes do a number on on managers, you know. So it's, it's as hard as they come. Yeah. Despite on paper looking like... Yeah. So would you say, even though we've, we've kind of discussed before about Celtic having this quite relatively favourable run following the winter break, do you think this might be the, the toughest, perhaps? I think it's the toughest because it's the one that puts the daylight in between mm-hmm. them and the rest. Yeah. You know, and sometimes they're the hardest, you know, to... Because you are thinking about... They can say what they like, the players. Mm-hmm. Players think about this subconsciously. If we win this, we go six ahead. Yeah, it's impossible you know, not it's to think about it. You know, so, and these things can play in your mind. And But Jamie will watch a lot more of Celtic than I do because I'm else, deployed elsewhere at times. But I think Celtic's home form suggests that they're, they're capable of winning. Yeah, I mean, one, I, you know? the, the, one thing for me is this title race is a lot closer than it needs to be. You know, it, sh- it shouldn't really be as close as it is. Um, and when it's a game in hand... Like you say, psychologically, you kind of being a you kind of have the points on the table already, even though the ninety minutes hasn't been played. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So you just hope that that's sort of not yeah. creeping into the players' heads. <laughs> um, but I, honestly, I think watching Celtic at home, albeit against St Mirren and Hamilton, the last couple of games, they've um, and Andrea, I suppose as well. But they've been they've been really good. They've looked a lot better, especially in the forward areas and the likes of Burke and Weir. Sinclair, who's on amazing form at the moment, there's a sort of there's a lift there, um, and Celtic really just need to press on and not look back. I think Celtic have got St Johnston back to back. Is uh-huh. that correct? Got McDermott Park, and the then they've got Hibs, who potentially would be in a bit of disarray anyway. Uh-huh. Uh, and Rangers have got they've got well, they've got the Cowdenbeath game, St Mirren and Aberdeen away. Yep. So Rangers have Celtic do as you said need to capitalise on on the games while they're going well. You know. Um, and I think you see the title race is a title race because of probably Celtic's negligence in various parts of the season, you know. Okay, that's yeah. that's exactly what I said when I, I wrote my uh, I wrote my blog for the record last week. It was, you know, points wise, Stephen Gerrard is doing about what Graham Murty, what anyone else done. There's no statistical rise in points that you could think was because of him. Whereas Celtic, I think, having looked at it, are tw- nearly 20 points down from the same position in yeah. Brendan Rodgers' first season. Yeah, the Invincible. If this was Celtic mm-hmm. in the Invincible yeah. season, they, they would be, be well clear. Have ready, have run off into the sunset. But uh, So it shows you how badly they've performed. shows you what happens when you take your eye off the ball. Yeah, yeah, you're correct. Yeah, Jack, there's been an element of that this season? <coughs> not... Uh, not I don't think there's been an element of we're so far ahead, you know, everyone else, it's just mm-hmm. far too easy for yeah. us. But I think there's an element of looking at the squad going, well, the players are still better than the rest of the league. Mm-hmm. And although the st- players are still better than the rest of the league, are they still good enough to play the way Brendan Rodgers wants to play? Because that's two entirely different things, you know. Michael Lustig must be, might be a better right-back than every other right-back in the Scottish Premier League, but can he do the things Brendan Rodgers wants him to do? Probably not. And the manager's always guarding against complacency. That's a big, that's big, a big thing. Uh-huh. For him, he always says is. that 
he guards against that, but results this season would suggest otherwise. But he, he hates the thought that complacency would creep in mm-hmm. at the club. You know, so it's uh, you can't have it both ways. You know, so. <laughs> Incidentally, I don't think there's been a lot of sort of talk about who's to blame for various things. I don't think Brendan Rodgers is all blameless completely mm-hmm. for either the title race or the, the player situation. And today, as a manager of the club, and you know, I think there's probably an element of shared shared responsibility. I, I think there are times when he's tinkered with the, the team selection, and not to a lot of the supporters liking and has come a cropper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Gamboa and Azagiri yeah, yeah. at various times have appeared, then disappeared, then reappeared <coughs> with know, no seemingly consistency. And they've shipped points in, in games like that. So, as, as Jamie said, he's not entirely blameless, you know. So, uh-huh. he's man. He's been speaking today. Uh, Rogers, he's just saying he's kind of stressing the importance of trying to open up that gap. Yeah. Um, but he's, he's you're just as you said, Tony, complacency. He says at this point in the season to have a six point lead would be great, but we have to earn that. So yeah. it's just, just exactly, exactly what you've said. Though yeah, I mean, it's it's not when it's laid out in front of you like that. It's mm-hmm. not easy per se, but you know you got to have. Of goals, mm-hmm. and especially as we kind of alluded to Aberdeen and Rangers playing each other yeah. at the weekend, Coman, tough game at home to at home to Hearts. It's there's a yeah. big opportunity. I think it said to message out first foremost if Celtic win that game mm-hmm. on Wednesday. You know, su- suggestions are that they can because they've been playing very well, creating a lot. As Jamie said the final third's been working very well. You know, so and. Uh, they have to go out and do it you yeah. know, it's, uh, they, and they can't let external factors enter their head I think it'll be 9 out of 9 for Celtic the next three games uh-huh. Aye, I think that's I think that's on the cards for them and, mm-hmm. and I think anything less will be a major disappointment I, think, I agree to them. Yeah. And, you know yeah. so they, they'll have looked at that run see when the winter break they'll have looked at that run when they came back mm-hmm. and they will have targeted yeah. all of those points up until that point mm-hmm. say listen we take Maximum you can put down a marker here, kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Then it's up to the rest to follow in your your slipstream. And during that time, you've got the Rangers, Ab- Aberdeen Rangers game. You know, come on, that. So those throats being slipped. <laughs> yeah, that's the idea. No, yeah, that's, that, no, that uh-huh. that, that's how it works. Yeah. So I expect Celtic to be in a very good, good position come the end of these yeah. these games. We can alluded to the. the Attacking players really seeming to hit a bit of form. Obviously, Burke and Way have had a bit of an impact, but it's it's been arguably been Scott Sinclair over the past couple of games who's now hitting a bit of form again. You know, I, I don't know what it is about Scott Sinclair. You know, there are times when he, he, he can look like a world beer, you know. Mm-hmm. There are times when you look and you think, oh, what's going on with you? What, what's going through your, your tiny mind and in your head? <laughs> you know, because it's all there, the tools are there. Uh-huh. You know? I, I just uh, I need somebody to shake him out of his lethargy sometimes I think that's what it is see when you're watching him as a supporter I think Scott Sinclair's great and there's absolutely no arguing he'll probably finish this season as Celtic's top, top goal scorer, scorer again, again uh, you know um, but you're right when, when when things don't go his way and Brendan Rodgers maybe alluded to this recently uh, I think it was last week Brendan Rodgers was saying you know look at Scott he's a different player you can tell by his body language he's he wanting said to get that was sat- I was going to say that he said that in Saturday it was a body language and aggressiveness was he, is what yeah. he pointed and, to and right? I think you know maybe that is you know, as I saying that competition kills complacency and maybe Scott Sinclair was first choice for a lot of the time 
Uh-huh. But now looking over his shoulder. Yeah, and then the addition of Burke and Weir, yeah, know, it, it does jolt you into kind of Yeah, because they didn't, really, you know? didn't really have that, did they? I know they had, as you said, JB, they had options. Well, they had players in those positions, but not quality. Yeah. So there's... And, and now, now they f- do. Now for me, it's James Forrest is the one that's... And they never seem to both but, be doing it. Switches from side to side. You know, uh-huh. James Forrest was at his peak when he got his hat trick for Scotland against Israel and, you know, he was playing yeah. some terrific stuff. Mm-hmm. But James Forrest just kind of nosedived a bit. Yeah. You know, and nobody's really saying too much about that. It's the gone under the radar, I suppose. Yeah, you know, has dipping for him, you know, and so with the likes of Weah and Burt coming in, then it's been good for Celtic in that sense that it's maybe not been noticed so much because these guys, Sinclair and Form again, can carry. You know, good good squad can carry you, you know, yeah. when you're having these dips and forms. And Scott Sinclair's been carried mm-hmm. in, in certain periods of his Celtic career. So, you know, there are things when you turn and say he's, he's playing well now, you know, so, and, and he'll be hoping, and Brendan will be hoping that long may that continue, you know, but he is a peak control player, yeah. you know, and this Celtic supporters know that more than most. <laughs> OK, that's all from us this week. Uh, thanks to Tony and Jamie for joining me. If you want to continue the debate, you can find us on Twitter at record underscore sport and we're on Facebook as well. And of course, we'll be back next week to talk all things Celtic. So don't forget to subscribe on Acast and iTunes to get the pod as soon as it's available. And you can also rate us on there as well. Thanks for listening. <laughs>